This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the sacred collective. All are respected. All are heard. All are welcomed. Join us. Hey, Phil, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, 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 good. good. I'm Caleb. This is Brian. Good to meet you. Hey, guys. Nice to meet you. It's pretty late there, huh? Yeah, it's yeah, about half twelve. So yeah, oh, twelve thirty. Cool. You say yeah, twelve thirty. Yeah, we understand. You're in Manchester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Manchester, UK. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I lived in America for four years, so I, I yeah, I always catch myself when I say certain things. <laughs> I once when I first went over there, I arranged to meet uh, meet up with someone for coffee, and I was like, oh, I'll see you like about half five that work and they just looked at me and they just like they were doing like mental like <laughs> and then they were like just sort of tilted their heads to the side now 2 30 and i'm like no no not not half of five and they were like why would you ever think <laughs> i would give you weird. that as the time to say you know yeah let's double it say half <laughs> <laughs> that's really fun. so, that's really yeah. funny that would be such an impractical way to tell time we're in america it would be so yeah convoluted yeah where in america were you at um, so I lived in California for quite a while, um, up in uh, Reading. Yep, oh. yep. So right in the north. Cool. Doing what? Uh, so I went to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. So it, was a, it was a great place. It's wonderful. So just to – but before we, we get too far into this, um, just to give you a, qu- a quick intro to our, our listeners – because you're, you're a very uh, interesting man, Phil. I don't know how I stumbled across you, but it was on Instagram. Um, you you do the Grace course, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so did you start that, I, I suppose? Is that your own Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a uh, – I just needed a name for something. And yeah. that was a catchy name for the audience that I had at the time yeah. that worked really well for them. But it's just basically a big repository of my teaching of videos, helping people kind of figure out where they're at. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's very. Uh, how do I even summarize? It? It's very, very helpful. Um, would Would you feel comfortable with adjectives like like progressive? You can use whatever language you want okay. about me. So okay. yeah, I, I try and not label myself and let people figure out how they want to label me as they go. Cool. Um, very so because cool. that all has different connotations for different people. Yeah, so absolutely. What yeah. I mean by progressive might be different for you. Might absolutely. Be different for people. Yeah, yeah. That's well put. Sure. But in many ways, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And to, to me, it, it almost seems like, um, and again, this is me, of course, using my, my own language, and, and I'm not sure if these terms will even resonate with you, but it's almost to me, it seems like like apologetics that respond to apologetics, almost like um, if you're in a conversation with an apologist, like a, a Calvinist, you know, some, someone who's in that vein of, of really fundamentalist Christianity, it's almost like a course in how to respond to that and you put a lot of emphasis in um, reading the scripture through the lens of love, through the lens of Christ. And you put a lot of yeah. things into context. Like any time that uh, – I think maybe today or yesterday um, you posted something talking about reading the Old Testament through the lens of Christ. And yeah. you, I think – how did you said it really eloquently. You said like um, Jesus quoting Old Testament scripture doesn't – um, kind of just give it a free pass, kind of thing, or, or doesn't doesn't validate it with kind of a, a blanket, uh, whitewash kind of you know one size fits all sort of thing. Uh, rather, Christ, Christ in his quoting of the Old Testament and in his worldview that is observable through the New Testament is almost amending uh, reading of the Old Testament, and um, yeah. and 
and that's really interesting to me because the, it, this is funny, uh, kind of synchronicity kind of thing. And I, I'm just for the record, just so you know, because this is the first time we've ever talked. But I'm not really big into um, pre- predestination or like like spiritual forces orchestrating everything. But it was a weird. At the same time, it was a weird coincidence. I'm in a, a Christian chat group. Uh, made up of a lot of uh, very diverse uh, perspectives. And I woke up to this guy quoting Leviticus about uh, condemning homosexuality. Um, okay, yeah. And he's just like sharing these ver- – these, like, he always just shares like the most angry verses. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing oh, that I saw – good ones in Leviticus for him. Yeah. yeah. He loves Leviticus for some reason. Uh, and then like I scrolled down through my feed a little – or you know, I went back to my feed out of this chat group and scrolled down. And I saw that post that you had either from today or from mm-hmm. yesterday where you were saying that you have to read the Old Testament through the lens of Christ. And I thought that, that was just a really interesting juxtaposition because I would call him you know, that kind of uh, fundamentalist apologist. And I don't mean to force the term apologist onto you, but it almost seems to me like you are uh, an aid to people to be able to um, – it, from an informed perspective, from a respectful and informed perspective, be able to react to uh, a lot of those um, a lot of those assertions that you get from from fundamentalists. Does, does that does that sound right? If I uh, misrepresented you in any way? Sure. I mean, I, I certainly do a lot of that. Um, it's not my it's not my primary goal. To be honest with you, I, my I never have the intention of changing anyone's belief. Mm-hmm. That's not my core. Um, working, I don't really care where people are at outside of obviously if it's hurting them, if it's hurting their relationships, if it's hurting their ability to connect to the divine, if that's a goal for them to connect to God, to whatever they see as the divine, um, then obviously I, I, I care in one sense. Sure. But at the other side, on the other side of things, um, we're all where we are because mm-hmm. we need to be there and because it's all that we can be right now mm-hmm. is where we are, you know, and, and I think it's taken me a long time to come to terms with that. Wow, yeah. um, you know, it, it's really easy for us as humans to look at things very dualistically. There's a yeah. right, there's a wrong, there's mm. a good, there's a bad, there's a left, there's a right, a black, a white. You know, we mm. go on and on, you know, life, death, you know, in out. Mm. Everything is broken into these kind of segments. And when we have these conversations, it's, you know, the left versus the right, the Republicans versus the Democrats, the predestination versus the Armenian. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, sure. it just goes on and on. And you can only have one of these two extreme mm. kind of views. And the second we kind of go, oh, I kind of like that. But like, have you thought about this? There's no opportunity mm. really for people to go, well, maybe parts of what you're saying it just doesn't really happen. Um, and so for me, my, my goal is really to help people wherever they're at continue moving forward, whatever that looks like. Okay. Um, cool. And so often that requires me, I'll post something and it might be very challenging for, say, someone that is like your friends, really into Leviticus, really into reading the Bible exactly how it's put. But that, of course, means I have a particular lens I'm putting on. I have a particular bent of what I'm reading out of the text. So, I mean, there's plenty of Leviticus stuff that's really profoundly graceful and merciful, you know, um, setting slaves free, um, you know, making sure the poor are fed, making sure, you know, people without work, making sure immigrants are looked after and cared for, you know, that's all in Leviticus too. I never see these guys quoting that, right? <laughs> um, so, um, so say they come out of the woodwork and start posting that stuff. Sure, I'll engage with them to some degree, but realistically, I, I kind of know that's not where they're at. They're not in a place. Mm-hmm. This is only going to piss them off, this post. The post was never there for them in the first place, really. Yeah. The post is there for the dozens and dozens of people or many, many more. It really depends on what 
I don't know what side of the bed I woke up on. It seems like whoever reads whatever. Um, but generally speaking, um, the posts are there for people to be stimulated in their thought and maybe start exploring things in areas they have doubts, concerns, questions, um, areas maybe they are quite certain, but actually maybe need a little bit of a prod to, to, to help them um, explore in new directions and new ways. Um, and so really all I'm trying to do is constantly prod and then maybe just give a little bit of um, uh, dangle a carrot in front of people, mm. uh, you know, and, and show them maybe a little bit of a better way for them to go a little bit more um, uh, to explore and, and to, to engage with. Um, and so that can look very different in lots of different ways. You know, it might look like that person that's a fundamental, you know, angry gods i'll pull out a bible verse set for every day to show you how angry god is it might be just exploring how maybe we don't look at the bible so black and white mm. and so the conversation i have with them is going to be very different to the person that comes to me and goes hey i grew up a pentecostal or um you know whatever baptist or whatever but i've long since left that and i'm exploring this and i kind of almost see myself as atheist or agnostic but i'm trying to figure out what that looks like like that's going to be two completely different conversations mm. Um, and so that's where I, that's the real uh, rubber hits the road for me. So you'll see me post a one or two posts on Instagram or Facebook a day. Um, but that kind of gets people, it draws them in, I guess it helps them connect with me. But generally speaking, it's the four five, six hours a day. I'm chatting with people one on one, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's happening constantly in the backgrounds and people don't see that. Um, and, uh, and that's where it gets really interesting. Yeah, you know, that's man. where you get pastors that are going, Hey, uh, I don't believe this anymore. Um, or, hey, I watched your series explaining there's multiple different views on homosexuality. So I used to hit people over the head with that Leviticus text. Mm. But I watched a series that I made a series of seven hours long going through all the Bible verses, all the history, all the science, everything, showing three different ways that most Christians would probably fall into one of those categories. And not trying to say to anyone, you have to believe X, Y, or Z. Again, that's not my place. My place is mm. giving you tools to keep moving forward. That's great. Um, and I had a pastor the other day contact me, and he says, I watched this, and he says, and I realized, I, I think I'm wrong, and I'm actually leaning towards probably the most um, generous or liberal or um, inclusive uh, position of those three. And he says, in the last 15 years, I've, I've been a pastor. Two of my congregants have committed suicide who are gay. Oh, God. And I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'm probably a significant part of that. Oh, my goodness. Woof. And so you talk with this guy, that's a very different conversation than the guy that's screaming at you because you posted something about inclusive LGBTQ. Mm. Um, and so while I do do a lot of that, you know, talking with these guys, I know nine times out of ten, these guys aren't looking to actually even have a debate. You know, like yeah. they're just looking to convert. And I've been where they were. I used to be like them. I used to go around handing out tracts on the street. I used to go knock on people's door mm. and ask them if they wanted to know Jesus. I used to offer to like clean people's backyards and mow the grass and go do their shopping all in some weird, you know, um, really loving, quote unquote, motivation. But mm. like, you know, it was like, I, I want to somehow get you to start asking questions so that I could then get you saved. And I used to be these people. And if you were gay, I probably would have dropped a Levit- Leviticus on you at some point. <laughs> Um, so I get that, but the mm. thing is, I'm not going to move back and you're probably not ready to move to where I am either. Yes. Yes. Um, and so this is such a different conversation. Mm. So I, I, I'd really much rather spend time talking to that pastor mm. than, you know, the, the Bible thumping, you know, Turner burn guy, yeah. um, you know, who's all Ray comfort, et cetera. You yeah. know, that, that's not going to happen. Um, so I do quite a, 
complex mixed kind of a set of things, I guess. Yeah. So when you were that guy, uh, I guess, first off, were you born into that that atmosphere of, of the burner turn kind of fundamentalist Bible thumping? Was that is that something that you're just born into? It's interesting. I was born into a Christian family. Um, so my, my mom and my dad were both first generation Christians. So they came from um, uh, non-Christian families okay. and they both had um, a slightly charismatic bent, but neither were in charismatic movements. Um, and my dad became a pastor of a Baptist church. Now, um, in the UK, it, to be honest with you, in much of the world's denominations aren't so black and white in the way that they are in America. So I know most of your audience are probably American, I'm assuming. Um, when you guys hear Baptist, you're like, yeah, I know what a Baptist, you know, believer is. Mm-hmm. Well, in the UK, we have Baptists that are charismatic. We have Baptists that are, you know, like speaking tongues. We have Baptists that, you know, believe all sorts of broad, different views. And that's very well accepted. Whereas I know for the most part, you might have a few different types of Baptists, mm-hmm. but they all kind of are fairly lumped in. Um, so my dad ended up being pastor in that movement. And I passed about seven or eight churches while I was um, growing up. Wow. So we kept getting moved around and um, that That's was awesome. interesting enough itself. But they, they were never particularly turn or burn. You know, my dad was a big evangelist, but he was really good at it. He just loved people and people came to his church. And that's why we moved a lot, because a lot of the churches didn't like all these people he'd save. So he got like, you know, he'd go to join this church and they liked him um, because he came and visited and preached a good message. And like, you can be our new pastor. And they brought him and he's a really friendly guy and he's got a family and whatever. And then week two comes around and he's like filled the church with, you know, the, you know, the town prostitute and that guy who had an affair 12 years ago and got kicked out of the church. Well, he's back because my dad said, sure, it's, it's in the past. You're forgiven. Come and join us, you know. Um, and all these people suddenly got really upset. <laughs> so I was suddenly exposed to quite extremes uh, within Christianity as well when yeah. I was growing up. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't remember this, but I've I was I've been told by my mom, we were walking down the street one day and one of the members of the church literally spat on her as we walked oh, past oh, um, because they didn't like her. And so this is like, you know, and obviously that's an extreme, of course, but I, it's just to say, you know, I, I experienced the full breadth of Christianity growing up. Um, mm. And for some reason growing up, I, I think I, I'm just a rebel. I grew up in this charismatic home and I saw God do amazing things, really incredible, miraculous things. But somehow I ended up leaning more towards kind of quite fundamental, uh, very quote unquote Bible focused, uh, uh, quite extreme in a sense. No, it wasn't like, you know, Westboro Baptist Church or anything like that by any means. But at its deep roots, it probably wouldn't have been able to critique Westboro Baptist Church much. Mm. You know, its mm-hmm. theology would probably go, oh, they're kind of right. We don't agree with their methods, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you've come across Christians like that. Um, and that was where I was at, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm just constantly trying to rebel and grow and develop. Mm. And so I, I then shifted into more of a charismatic movement when I, I feel like I just got stale. I, get, I think I get bored easily. Maybe that's it. <laughs> uh, and so when, once I'm realizing, oh, this isn't ticking all the boxes, I just keep moving. Mm. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So then what, what did your transition then, and it sounds like you're constantly maybe in a state of transition from what you're describing, yeah. um, but what did your path, I guess, look like uh, leading you from that point when, where you were handing out tracks and, mailing, or, um, and mowing people's lawns in hopes that they would open up an opportunity for you to to preach the, the good gospel to them and maybe lead them yeah. to the sinner's prayer or whatever. Like what, what did that path look like that brought you from there to where you are now with the grace course? 
Yeah, I mean, it was a long path as well, but I, to keep it short, I basically read a, a bunch of different charismatic books that my mom gave me, and I thought, Dad, this is amazing stuff. And like, man, imagine how much more successful I'd be if I just like healed people in the street. You know, that, that would be <laughs> yeah, much quicker and easier, right? Yeah. Um, or whatever, you know, but if I could like, you know, like, call down fire or whatever it is, you know, yeah, do some miraculous stuff, that would really tick some boxes yeah. for people. Um so I went and did a big supernatural ministry school, and, and that was that was really great. I loved it. I loved the community there. I loved all of that. Um, but the whole time I'm there, I'm also reading like I'm reading full breadth, you know. So I'm reading um, supernatural books like you know Bill Johnson and these kind of Bethel kind of like you know Toronto, all those kind of charismatic stream. But I'm also reading like John Piper, John MacArthur, mm-hmm. you know, like about as fundamental as you can get. Yeah. And then in the same week, I'm picking up, you know, oh, let's read Brian McLaren. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so I'm just, I, I'm just like, let's just explore and let's just see what the world has to offer. And and in doing that, I, I definitely, well, I can see that there's a lot of rich diversity within all of these streams. We, we're quick to like do that black and white dualism again, but there is diversity within within all this diversity. There is good stuff to pull out. Um, I, I definitely lent more towards kind of those progressive um, uh, types. Um, and, and that really started to intrigue me because the truth is I just saw too many people questioning and doubting. And so uh, in all of that, I started traveling and I started um, going around. I, I did about 180 days a year. I would travel. Um, I think my busiest year, I did about 400 church meetings in, in one year. It was honestly just disgusting. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> um, I'm not big into church. So <laughs> church meet. I grew up in church meetings. I don't want to do more, but mm-hmm. I landed in this scenario wherever it was. And so I'm writing and I'm, I'm teaching and I'm producing materials to give out for free. And I end up traveling and speaking to people all over the world. And the more I do so, the more I realize this, this message that we have, whatever it is, just isn't actually connecting with a significant portion of people. There's a lot of people in churches that feel utterly lost yeah uh, they have doubts they have concerns they don't really believe what they say they believe if they were to really open up about what they thought they'd be quickly ostracized from, ostracized from their, their their community you know uh, or i'd come across people and i'm like wow I, i've met a whole bunch of uh, people that are in the lgbtq community that love jesus and are passionate with jesus they're not evil terrible you know satanic or you know whatever <laughs> right. weird like things i've been taught and so you start to meet all these people and, and it just very quickly eroded um most of my my black and white dualism mm-hmm. um as i realized that uh, while it was great that there was these passionate people that it was working for um it looked like those people eventually hit a wall at some point Usually through some sort of tragedy, it would be a divorce, it would be a death of a loved one, it would be, you know, your kid getting sick, whatever it is, something like that usually causes you to hit this wall and realize, oh, I don't know if I really believe this stuff. Mm -hmm. Because when it was all good, it's easy enough to say I believed it and go along to church service. But now it's really shitty. I'm not so sure. Um, And so I think that was a big part for me. Um, I went through a lot of suffering. I, I, I lived with chronic pain. I've had chronic pain for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. I went through a divorce. My mother died. You know, I've, oh, I've wow. had lots of different things in the mix um, that I think has continued to push me um, as well. So I've always liked pushing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always wanting to listen to people I disagree with. I very rarely read a book that I agree with because I'm kind of <laughs> like, Ugh, who cares, right? Um, you know, that's just a waste of time reading something. I'm just going to nod the whole way yeah, through. Yeah, right. Uh, and if, if people love that, and that is that is good. And I do do that sometimes. I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't read things you agree with. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, you know, it's just be my character is to do that. 
Um, so that's really brought me to where I am. You know, I, I started to grow more of a, an online community. I traveled a bit less and um, that naturally people that, that, that tend to, to gravitate towards these online communities are usually people that have lost some sort of community um, in, in their local vicinity. And so mm-hmm. there's this huge um, disparity between you look at my community online, you know, maybe across a few platforms, maybe 10, 15, 20,000 people. Um, I would say 70% at least feel like they don't really have a home church they feel at home in mm-hmm. anymore, maybe much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trying to help those people feel like they're not alone, feel like it's there's there's someone they can talk to, feel it's a safe place for them to kind of open up and explore ideas. That's really um, what pushed me into what I'm doing now with the Grace Course. I started a new website called the Deconstruction Network. Um, mm-hmm. So it's finding that a lot of people that are going through this process of deconstruction They've got lots of community online. There's lots of Facebook groups and different yeah. things that you can connect on. But the truth is that doesn't really cut it, does it? You know, it's not the same as sitting down and having a beer with your friends or crying into someone's shoulder when something happens yeah. or, you know, laughing till your stomach hurts, you know, after a meal with people that get you and, and are, are safe for you to explore new ideas and share where you're at. And, and a lot of people don't have that. They feel utterly alone. You know, I was getting... 10, 20, 30 messages a day, people saying, do you know someone in Illinois? Do you know someone in New York? Do you know someone in London? Do you know someone in Sydney? And I'd always be like, I'm pretty sure there will be. I'm almost certain. In fact, uh, the stats right now, so uh, this is an American stat, so it's not entirely worldwide, but um, right now, uh, the largest growing group of Christians by uh, affiliation is those that are leaving the church. Mm Mm-hmm. So right now, 2,500 people leave the church every day in America. Wow. 2,500 people. And you know how many of them profess to still believe in Jesus on some level? Mm. You know, quantifying that might be a bit tricky. 79%. Mm-hmm. So four out of five of the people that leave the church still love Jesus, still want to have some framework in which to hold spirituality. You're looking at, I can guarantee, I can guarantee there's someone in your city. The issue is, right, if you mm. stop going to a Baptist church and you want to try a charismatic church, you know where to go and find more charismatics, at the charismatic church. Yeah. But when you stop going to church and you go, I just can't do this, I don't, I, this group of people, maybe you were kicked out of church, that's also another option a lot of the time. Yeah. And um, you stop going to church and you go, oh, I just, I love Jesus, I want to explore spirituality, but I don't, I just can't do this church thing anymore. How do you meet other people like that? You don't, right? You sit mm. at home and you mm. go online and you go, oh, I'm utterly alone, there's no one here. For all you know, in your street of 100 people, you might have 20 people there that feel like that. Yeah. And you would never know, um, especially in this day and age where we don't talk to any of our neighbors, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so so that was, I started this website where people could just basically quickly log in, put where they live, like their city or whatever, and it would show you however many people there are. You could click on them and send a message and say, oh, hey, wow. I'm also in Illinois. Do you fancy getting a coffee? They can talk a bit till they feel comfortable and then go and meet up and hey, maybe you're a total freak and you have a totally different concept to what deconstruction is and we don't click or whatever, but at least there's a good, or better chance, right? Yeah. Um, and so we have people in like Chile, people in Detroit, people in London, people in Sydney, I mean, people all over the world connecting throughout, which is really exciting because it's a brand new website. I think it's about 700 people on there. It's not many um, at all, uh, but that's exciting as well. And I can really see that that has a lot of potential to help people where they're at as well. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly shifting more towards helping people that are in this process of devolution of faith and yeah. ultimately what I think is an evolution of faith. But, yeah, totally. Um, feels like it 
uh, at the time potentially this is crashing and burning for a lot of people yeah. and it certainly is what they're used of by many that they know for sure i think it's like what you were saying phil is um the number the numbers are staggering with how many people are leaving the church um because i yeah. grew up charismatic or pentecostal and i'm now in a progressive liberal denomination here in the states but well one of the reasons we started this podcast sacred collective was kind of for the fact of what you were saying is a lot of us having um some sort of maybe faith background maybe we grew up baptist or charismatic or whatever but we're all kind of at the point now where we're like uh we have doubts we don't know if we can ask these questions in church or you know we're we're deconstructing whatever that part may be what we're deconstructing and i have always like my brother's a baptist pastor i have a cousin who's in somebody's a god pastor if you're familiar with that it's in the pentecostal tradition mm-hmm. yep. and and uncle like i, I come from a lot of, a, a lot of somebody's of god and lutheran background and for me kind of having this like idea to start the sacred collective was there's a lot of people in my own neighborhood a lot of people that i went to seminary with because i went to seminary and half the people who are part of our podcast are people who have their mdivs or doctorates who we got to at the end of all of our education and we're like what the hell do we believe in <laughs> you know like wh- wh- where are we because we we've yep. just been told for all these years like jesus is this jesus is not this or the gospels are these or the bible stories are this and then you get to the end of it and you're like i don't know if i believe in that anymore so we wanted to make a space where because i don't know if through caleb talking with you like we do a lot of interviews but then we also meet every other thursday like in our in my in my wife's apartment and we just have conversations you know we talk about like now we're talking about we're on a series on purity culture and just the the shit that purity culture did that what we went through but we've talked a through z you know some of our members are are former christians who are atheists and we have people who are gbtq we have people who are all over the board and we love that and i'm kind of like what you were saying like i don't care where you are per se in your faith reconstruction or deconstruction i just want to give you opportunities to grow in whatever way you want to grow you know longitudinal Mm -hmm. and uh, and i do think you're right on you know with like there in america the term we use is the nuns like the n-o-n-e like there Mm -hmm. are people who are saying we're we're not wanting to be part of a denomination we don't want to be classified as like baptist or pentecost or catholic or whatever but we're still we still believe in this Jesus person. We still believe in the teachings of Jesus. Maybe we don't know about the atonement mm-hmm. or afterlife, but we the these core teachings of Jesus we really like and we get even, behind it. I'll, I'll insert just for myself as an asterisk, even even just as an archetype, because for me that's how I approach mm-hmm. Christ is as is as an archetype. The historicity of it, I it means it, honestly probably more yeah. to Brian than it does to me. But that's a beautiful thing. I think is this the synergy of our our shared interest. Yeah. Didn't mean to interrupt you, Brian. No, you're good. And and but it's just kind of like I think, and it's not just obviously within America. It's probably like uh, it's prevalent in America, but probably probably in the UK or you know in other parts of Europe where whether it's a post-Christian society and atheistic society, I do think you see a lot of people who are like they still have this affinity or they still have this desire to follow jesus or maybe are are in tune to like jesus's teachings but when it yeah. comes to like i need to be part of this quote-unquote church community a lot of people are stepping away from that and being like you know i don't need to go to church every sunday i don't need to go to church wednesdays i don't need to get 
my child baptized or I don't need to get baptized or become a member in order to ask these questions about God, you know, whatever God is to them. Have you you guys um, come across um, any kind of uh, human psychological development programs? So things like spiral dynamics, integral theory, things like that? I've looked into those things, but I've never engaged with them. Yeah, I've looked into it before, but I haven't really have been taught about it in depth. Because I think this is this is what we're talking about really at its core is how humans grow and how we develop. Um, And so, you know, the concept of, um, uh, you know, human psychological development is that, you know, across the world over about 80 different groups um, over the last hundred years, all independently kind of went out and said, what if we just studied loads of people and saw if we could track how humans grow up and how they develop? And they all came up with these different models over the time. And and then as globalism kind of became a thing, they started talking to each other and we're like, holy crap, all our models are the same. Yeah, wow. We all, we've, we've kind of found out that humans grow in the same direction. Mm-hmm. They, they go from, you know, A to B to C to D to E and, and they keep going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And we've given them different titles and, and names and labels and things, but generally they grow in this direction. Yeah. Um, and then what you find is that cultures do the same. So cultures grow in the same direction because cultures are just groups of people. Mm, yeah, sure. Um, but what you what you find is a real synopsis. So I've got about 17 hours of teaching on this on my website. But uh-huh. um, a real synopsis is that um, you start at very, very archaic uh, understanding. And that's almost pre-hominids kind of stage of humans. So it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. But as a baby, you just think you just scream until you get what you need, your mm-hmm. base needs. You know, Aslov, uh, Aslov, <laughs> Abraham Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs is, is another sure, model yeah, of this yeah. as well. Uh-huh. Um, so you've got these base needs and then you start to become a bit tribal. You start to communicate. You, you start to work as a group um, to get your needs met. So very selfish. Yeah, based. Sure. It's more group based. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the next stage, which is warrior. Um, and this is where you, you you get what you want because you want it. You start to develop your own ego. You see this, the, you know, the terrible twos is the toddlers. <laughs> yeah. um, but we also see this. You could look um, you could look at maybe a. Uh, a warlord in Africa, like Joseph Kony, mm. you know, who's just terrorizing Sudan and Uganda and, you know, having child soldiers do his bidding so he can get what he wants. It's yeah. very warrior mentality. Yeah, or maybe yeah, someone yeah. that's just a criminal, you know, I, I want that. So I'll hit you over the head and take yes. it. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's your pr- property, your money, your sexuality, yeah. whatever it is, uh-huh. it's very war, uh, warlord mentality and warrior mentality. But the next stage is what much of uh, Christianity falls into. And this is where most of society has been for a couple of thousand years and much of the world still is there is traditional stage. And that comes out of this crazy kind of wild warlord stage. And much of the Bible is at warlord stage. Much of the Bible is at the earlier stage of tribal and warrior. And then it moves into traditional, Mm -hmm. which is we want stability, we want certainty, we want some hierarchy, Mm. we want some rules. These things will help us feel more comfortable and more safe. It will give us something to to form around. And and so when we seek that that stability and that certainty and that safety, it's really good because you you don't need to ask if it's good or not. You just go look at the previous state where people were raping and killing and murdering and stealing and Mm. taking whatever they want. And, you know, you wanted that area. You go in and kill everyone in that other tribe Mm -hmm. and take it. And that is our land now. And thus saith God, he validated us. We killed you. We're good. We're right. Um, You know, that mentality, this is a big step forward, you know, having some nice, stable, uh, you know, structure and certainty. And we have a hierarchy of maybe a king is in charge Mm. or a a prime minister or a president or maybe a a pope or maybe a pastor or maybe a Bible. 
uh, whatever <laughs> our hierarchy and our authority is, but it's, it's comfortable, it's safe, it makes us feel much happier. Yeah. Um, but the next stage of this, and this is really, um, uh, this is becoming more and more of an issue for America because America, um, America in some ways was lagging Europe a little bit in this, but the sure. next stage is called modern. And modern came about in the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. um, so it's quite old, um, but it's, it's taken a long time for it to really root itself. But this stage really cares about rationality, science, mm. individuality. It goes, swings back to being quite egocentric again. It's, mm. what, what about me? What about, you know, it becomes quite capitalistic, all these kind of things. Um, and that's where society is when we look at America, when we look mm. at much of Europe. Um, but the church is still at traditional stage. And it doesn't want to move on. It doesn't want to embrace uh, a lot of this rationality and this questioning and this inquiry and, and this kind of scientific method to figure out if something's true or not, because it needs a certainty. It needs the stability. It wow, needs the yeah. safety. And it will, it will challenge the authority. And so you're looking at this war between these two stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and really what that um, what you're looking at with people that are at that um, traditional stage, they just need enough room for them to find the limits of their current stage. Usually it's some sort of suffering. Um, but they'll want to start asking questions and move on into that stage. Mm. And most of them are already living in that stage day to day. You know, when they go to work, they're probably living at stage modern. You know, they're dealing with people. They're rational people. They're, you know, some of them are scientists, but they walk through that door on a Sunday and they switch it off and they wow. go back to traditional. Um, but I, I think that this is what we're talking about when we when we look at people that come out and, and go into this process of deconstructing is it's, it's this individual discovery of like, well, what what if? that person isn't in charge and what if i'm in charge of me what if i have to figure Mm. out if this is right or wrong what if i can figure out if this is right or wrong what if i can explore this but it's a very individual um it's a very individual driven stage and it can be quite isolating Mm. um and and the next stage beyond it the postmodern stage comes back to rally around community and i think this is the issue with people that are deconstructing um they don't see that next step. They don't see that there's an end in sight. Not an end in the sense that you suddenly know what's right or wrong, yeah. necessarily. Mm. Um, but at least that there's a process in which you can shift into being more um, part of a community. You can um, figure out how to relate to your neighbor when you really strongly disagree. Because yeah. um, this is a war as well. Because truth great. be told, most of the time, people that are early on in their deconstruction really don't like to be around people that are still in that traditional place yeah just as much as the people in the traditional place don't like them being around yeah right so there's a mm, real butting of mm, heads constantly mm-hmm. and that's part of the journey as well as growing and learning how to value where those people are yeah um, it, it's it's an interesting one that um churches that are at this stage of modern or even pre-modern they go into prisons and they do a lot of study on um what is effective prison ministry so they put Churches that are at traditional stage, churches that are at modern stage, and churches that are at postmodern stage into a prison. And they go, who's going to do the best? Who's going to impact the prison most positively? Now, most prisons are full of people at warrior stage. So the stage for them to grow into is actually traditional. And so what we find is that modern and postmodern churches have almost no impact in prisons. It's really quite catastrophic catastrophic in a sense mm. it just really doesn't work but traditional churches have huge impact in prisons interesting massive impact mm. because it's the next healthy helpful stage for yeah. that person and so just understanding that each of where people are at actually is a helpful and, wow. and good thing for a lot of people yeah it's not maybe good or healthy for you but it will be good or healthy for someone else and so being able to value people who are at that prior stage and go this is okay this is good 
you being where you are is going to help other people. Mm. It's important for you to be. I used to be where you are. I wouldn't be where I am today yeah. without coming from where I was. That's a really uh, important part of the process as well. So I think it's, under, it's, in, under, it's important to understand these stages of growth of how humans grow and, and how we psychologically develop in our psyche. Um, when we start to understand that, it, it creates a lot of grace for us to be able to go through this process as well and to interact with the people around us in a much more healthy way. Mm, that's great. And I hear you kind of echoing that same sentiment that you started out talking about, about, um, I guess, when I, when I was using terms like apologetics, responding to apologetics and stuff like that about uh, like what, what is this actually going to accomplish? What is this interaction going to accomplish? What, or, or what is even the goal of this interaction? Is, is this helpful at all? Is this, is this going to be heard even, you know, and if, and if it is heard, what will my desired outcome of changing someone's mind even be within the realm of possibilities, you know, or, or are we going to have a conversation and maybe both of us, um, you know, can grow towards something. Not that there is an end goal that is more desirable than any other goal, but like, but kind of just almost like you were saying, um, I guess almost kind of uh, paralleling uh, human development on a, on a macro level with human development on a micro level. Like when, once yeah. you come out of adolescence and you become an adult and you say, okay, you know what? Um, I, it, it it will not be productive at all for me to, if I have to like I don't know take away a sharp object from a toddler and I don't mean this to be demeaning toward I I, I don't I'm I'm trying to just give a, a very rough example but if I take a sharp object away from a toddler but then they start crying and I want to sit down with them and say no no you don't understand uh, I, this is for your own good and I didn't want you to hurt yourself it, what's that going to accomplish you know nothing at all yeah. and so it's maybe it's just a pragmatism of saying um, what am I entering this interaction expecting or even what am I uh, what am I hoping to accomplish? Not even what am I expecting myself or them to accomplish, but but just kind of being practical about it and kind of stepping back and being mature enough to see um, maybe what what terminology is being used, what triggers might be present, um, you know, and, and 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 what potential outcome there is as compared to any, I guess maybe to managing any any expectations regarding that outcome. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's huge. A great example of this is. Um, I'm assuming a lot of your listeners will love Rob Bell, yeah. um, the, the champion of many uh, uh, deconstructionists. Um, <laughs> he's a gateway for a lot of people, I think. He's, 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 I mean, he's a genius. He's one of the best communicators in the world. And oh, this yeah. is why I use him as an example. Is You have someone that probably can articulate things better than 99% of the population. I mean, like the way he can craft a message and communicate a truth through an example or whatever. I mean, it, it's, it's really is flawless uh, in many regards. And yet... When he brought out his book, um, Love Wins, right? Yeah. Guy gets crucified over saying mostly nothing. Um, but people <laughs> right. don't like that. In fact, they would have preferred he was certain and clear about what mm-hmm. he believed because mm-hmm. then they could like at least go, okay, we know what box to put that in and how to deal with it. But you're actually just asking questions and freaking people out by yeah. creating this doubt. And of course, that was Rob's goal was to create a bit of doubt. It wasn't to give you an answer. It was to create the doubt for you to start filling it yourself. But what's interesting is you watch him on interviews. So watch him while he's publicizing the book, and it's a shitstorm, right? I mean, it's crazy. So he goes on TV, but they, they what do they do? They pit him against some random yeah. fundamental pastor, right? Mm-hmm. So they sit down either side of the table, and they go, all right, you've got two minutes each yep. to, you know, question each other or grill each other <laughs> or convince each other. Yeah. And the other guy, right, the fundamentalist is going, he's, he's at this traditional stage. He's going, right, well, I'm certain, I'm clear. I've got my authority that is the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read you all the Bible verses I know about hell and fire and whatever, and then you'll clearly be convinced, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. 
And it makes sense. It uh-huh. makes sense, right. right? And this is the thing. When you can get into that mindset, it makes sense. Right. The problem is that Rob doesn't see the Bible that way. He doesn't see the world that way. He isn't looking for a clear-cut black and white answer. He's looking to transcend duality and look at things a bit more nuanced. And so what he needs to do is do that before he can even read a Bible verse for you. Mm. Before he can even say, well, yes, the Bible says that, but, and then go into it. That's not something that can even happen. And so what you watch him do is you watch him interact with people on the level they're at and try and connect with them where they're at mm. in a way that it doesn't it doesn't fix the solution rob even walks away looking uh like he lost an argument and he's okay with it he doesn't care right um he really doesn't it seems um he actually does as well which is funny because you, you talk to him afterwards and you can hear the process of him processing through what went on there it's crazy um but but on the whole, he's like, well, yeah, I'm not going to win this argument. I'm not going to suddenly read a different Bible verse. And you go, oh, wow, there's a Bible yeah. verse for universalism. Oh, I'm you got me, Rob. I'm in. You know, that's not going <laughs> to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. It's the same way that you can give the Leviticus guy, you know, Leviticus, and he doesn't pick out the passages about loving your neighbor and looking after immigrants, right? He's out there with a pitchfork for gay people. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants to do. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, he's like retroactively finding the verse that proves the point that he's already arrived at exactly so this isn't an argument you're going to win and 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 not only that you don't want to win it even if it was Mm. so you're just playing a different game and so for rob to even talk about this we'd need to start talking about the bible and before we talk about the bible we need to start talking about duality and how we read literature and there's complexities to context and history and textual context and all these different elements um which is never going to happen in two minutes and even if it was you gave two hours would this person even be able to listen to that kind of conversation mm. probably not yet yeah um and so you've got to have the the wherewithal at times just to go hey we're going to disagree i know that's going to get make you upset the amount of people i've said look i know that you're doing your duty and you feel obliged to tell me i'm a heretic that my teaching will be judged that i'm leading people straight i really understand that i used to be like you yeah and i really value your zeal your passion how much you love God and how much you're faithful for what you believe. I just don't see things that way. You you haven't convinced me and I don't think you will convince me. I know I'm not going to convince you of what I believe. Should we agree to disagree? Let's say you've done your obligation. God's not going to hold it against you. He'll hold it against me if I'm wrong. But thank you. I really appreciate you. I'm I'm really, I admire your passion. I really do. Mm -hmm. I wish I was as passionate and zealous (laughs) for what I believe as you are for what you, I really do. Mm. Um, But we're not going to go anywhere. And, and, Nine times out of ten, that conversation goes okay. That's yeah. about as positive as I can say it. Sure. But it goes okay. Um, one time out of ten, I mean, it's just insane. Um, but it, it never cut, turns around that they go, oh, you're right, I'll just believe what you believe. But yeah, the amount of people yeah, yeah. that two years down the line start messaging me going, hey, I thought you were insane two years ago. Yeah. But now I've started to have these doubts. You were the first person I thought of to contact. Mm. And, and if I can only do that with that guy, sure, I, I'm happy to wait two years. I, it's no skin off my teeth at all. Yeah. Um, it really isn't. You know, this mm. is what God does in, in the whole Bible, right? He's constantly, you know, baby stepping Israel, yes. baby steps, mm. baby steps, mm-hmm. baby steps. Hey, you're burning like kids, offering it to the most high God. So mm. you've got like, you know, dozens of different gods in your community. And then you have the most high God, which is the most important one to you. And that's the one you offer your kid to because you don't have many firstborns, right? You only have one, so you give him to the Most High God. Abraham comes out of that community and God says, hey, Abraham, Most High God time? Maybe uh, give me your firstborn, right? Mm -hmm. And he's been Abraham's Most High God for dozens of years. 
Um, Abraham knows this is coming. He doesn't ask why. He doesn't argue about it. He doesn't ask where. He doesn't ask when. He just does it. And it's because that's what you do. And yet God's going, Abraham, not what I'm like. Here, kill a cow, a ram instead, right? Mm. And and through that, we see God slowly eroding <laughs> sacrifice. He then, like, you know, he gives five sacrifices in Leviticus, none of which are actually required. He says, look, if you feel you need to do this, do it. If that doesn't satisfy your own sense of guilt over your sin, right. you can do these other sacrifices too. That's the premise under which he gives the sacrifices. And then what's fascinating is then we get to Jeremiah. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 7, hey, God never, ever asked anyone when they came out of Egypt, never asked anyone to do a sacrifice. And he didn't give any laws about sacrifice. He's basically saying Moses made this shit up, (laughs) which is mind blowing. And then Jesus goes into the temple where they're doing the sacrifices, clears it out while quoting Jeremiah 7. He's agreeing with Jeremiah. He's saying God never wanted any of this. He doesn't want sacrifice. Get this crap out of here. And so we're seeing this slow, like, and then Paul's like, hey, by the way, have you thought maybe instead of killing stuff, we could become living sacrifices? What does it look like just to sacrifice your life and give your life to other people around you and and live with love for others? Like there's this slow baby step, baby (laughs) step, baby step. But the truth is God has to be okay with some people killing like there's one bit of the Bible. I mean, it's the funniest thing ever. Cause like, you know, whatever you do with this, I don't know. I like to take it serious and literal because it's just so funny. <laughs> one day Solomon killed 120,000 cows to God. <laughs> and you're like, okay, sure. Sure. Bible. You know, there's, there's certain texts where you're like, mm, this seems unlikely. <laughs> seems unlikely that you killed 120,000 cows in one day. As far as I can see, there's dead cows. Yeah, right. How do they clean that one up? I mean, yeah. it's just like endless stack, right? I mean, yeah. it's like, I mean, that would keep me going for a couple of weeks food-wise. Um, yeah, right. But it's just, it's insane. But the point is, God has to be okay with people who have a concept of sacrifice, mm. killing cows, because, well, not so long ago, they were killing babies. Mm. Um, and he's going, well, at some point, we'll get to the point where maybe Jeremiah can come along and go, hey, by the way, guys, I don't want this at all. And I don't desire sacrifice. I desire mercy. You know, learn what this means. Mercy is better than sacrifice. I don't desire sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and so we're seeing progression. We see it in mm. all, I mean, even the laws, right? Your Leviticus friend would probably be aghast to know that the Bible's laws are a copy. Mm. They're a copy of the Harambi text, yep. right? Harambi, sorry. The Harambi text is, is the laws of Mesopotamia at the time, well-established, and the Bible's laws are almost identical, but they're really cool in how they're not identical, right? It's like the Genesis story is a copy, but it's how it differs. It's interesting. So you look at the Harambi text and you, you look at... Um, an eye for an eye, right? This is where it comes from, is, is this text that the Mesopotamians had. And it was, if someone causes you to lose an eye, well, if they are richer than you and more elevated in status, well, you are to make them pay, pay you for the eye. If they are an equal, you are to take out their eye in return. If they are below you or a slave, you are to kill them. This is the rule mm. in the Harambi text. But then you look at the Bible and God comes along and he copies all these texts. And then he comes to the eye for the eye passage. Everyone goes, oh, yeah, the eye for an eye passage. And he goes, yeah, if someone causes you to lose an eye, you take out their eye. It's not even a passage about eyes, mm. right? Because let's be honest, how often were people losing eyes in this culture? Like, what the hell? Was no one's mom <laughs> saying, don't run with scissors? Like, what's going on here? Right? I mean, at this culture, there must be a special eye scoop, you know, like an ice cream scoop. Or something. Like, it's just so common that everyone's got to make freaking laws about it. 
It, these are obscure laws, right? It's like the law where, like, if two people are fighting and a woman tries to break them up and falls and touches the man's genitalia, then you must cut off her hat. And you're like, how often did this happen? This is an obscurely detailed, like, you know, like rule. Um, a lot of women tripping and grabbing balls, right? I mean, it's like, this is weird. But anyway, so the Hammurabi text, it's not about eyes. It's about equality. Yeah. It's saying, hey, stop going, oh, you're poorer than me and you hurt me. I'm going to kill you. Oh, you're wealthier. Oh, I, I wouldn't want to hurt mm. you know, offend you. Maybe you could just pay me a bit of money. You know, it's the same for women and, um, and slaves. It elevates. And so it reduces all these tiers within the system. And it breaks down about five different tiers that the culture had down to two. Um, so there's still male and female. Um, but that's basically it. Uh, and so we're seeing that God's constantly going, ah, we could just do the whole like everyone's equal, you know, and like let's have women vote and have a democracy. But they're not going to do yeah. that. They can barely not yeah. kill their kids. Right. I take away killing kids and give them cows and they still go back to killing their freaking kids. Mm-hmm. Like who would opt in for that? Right. Wow. But these people is the answer. We mm-hmm. would. Humans would. Um, and so he's like, well, maybe we'll just baby step this process. Maybe awesome. we could just, you know, stop so many people getting stoned to death over an eye. Maybe do for an eye for an eye for a while. That'd be better. But then Jesus comes along and goes, hey, guys, you know how you someone someone once said an eye for an eye. You've heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, because it's Jesus, according to the, like, our concept of Jesus and God, right? Jesus was the person that gave that law. God, right? Mm-hmm. But he goes, well, you know, it's not really that great, is it? What if people like you lost your eye and then you said, I'm really, really sorry. Oh, no, no worries at all. Here, take the other one if you want. Mm-hmm. Like. who is this guy right but this is god he's saying maybe we could do this differently maybe we could forgive maybe we could offer mercy Mm. um and so this is how god works he's constantly pulling people forward and Mm. and a baby step at a time and he doesn't seem to care when we're doing stupid things in the midst of it yeah which is good because if you look back at your life pretty much all your life was doing stupid stupid stuff and we'll look back at this moment and think the same and kind of what you were saying though too is when you study scripture the, the animal, Yahweh or, or Jesus, refers to us as sheep. And it's purposeful because sheep are not the smartest smartest creatures that, that are out there. And so, like you were saying, like, yes, God is talking to, you know, the Israelites and, you know, all through us, through scripture that we read. And it's like, guys, you shouldn't you shouldn't kill people. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be killing your babies. You shouldn't be sacrificing these goats or cows or cattle you know to me but i sometimes when i when i feel like christians we get sometimes not being intellectual is bad but we we try to be like oh i have all the right answers or i have all this it's like no jesus was the one that went into the temple and flipped the tables and being like hey you guys are not doing this right you're not understanding or you know with the sacrificing of of babies like the firstborn or or of cattle and like you're saying it's like uh i don't think you guys are getting this and i think it was very very purposeful that Jesus is like referring to humans as sheep to be like, I love you. You're my creation, but you're also, I'm referring to you as one of the dumbest animals <laughs> that are out there because <laughs> you guys aren't learning. And so I, when I read the scripture, I'm, I have to read it. I don't take the Bible literally. I think I personally think it's authoritative because I let it be not that I think it's all the historicity and stuff is important, but I, I think it's funny when, when somebody like my brother, I love him to death, but he'll take the Bible black and white, you know, the it's in the Bible, mm. yes, blah, blah, blah. And that's fine, that's him. But when I look at some of those passages passages about like sheep and how, how we're referred to as sheep or like this lost, you know, lost animal, it's like, well, yeah, I think Jesus is purposeful when he says that to be like, hey, you guys aren't understanding it. You're, you guys aren't getting this point 
that I'm bringing up, the, you are like a dumb sheep that doesn't know any better. Mm. And then we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm a sheep. And it's like we still don't get it even when we read it. We're just like, oh, okay, God referred to us as a sheep. And it's like, well, that's not a good thing. That's not a pro. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. It's interesting uh, to me that you're articulating this in the way that you are, Phil, because uh, you know there's obvious uh, parallels um, in in how you're comparing um, God's relationship with humanity to to your just general approach with interacting with people, just meeting them where they are, and not like you said, kind of almost adopting the dialect of somebody else and speaking within those terms, and not just hitting them over the head with um, w- with concepts that are out of range, I guess maybe. Um, and I just, I, I think what you're doing is, is amazing. Like I, I really do. And, and I think honestly, um, and this is, it's probably not even worth saying, but I think at the end of the day that you're, I don't want to, I almost said, I think that you're more conservative than I am, but I I don't mean that in in any sort of political way or anything. Um, but I, I, I choose definitely to interact with Christianity regularly. And I, I, and I, I choose to engage with it and I really, really do love it. Um, but at the end of the day, like I, I would maybe describe myself as a non-theist or like some days as an atheist, um, but not not in an angry way, not like in a in a militant way at all. But like I really really respect the work that you're doing, and it and it makes gives me the, the warm and fuzzies, and and the way that you approach interacting with people, and the way that you articulate yourself, and the way that you are so knowledgeable about the Bible and and present it in a way that is is you know airtight and waterproof is phenomenal is amazing yeah. I love the work that you're doing and and I yeah I just want to commend you on that and just express that verbally to you well, thank you yes kudos yeah but at the end of the day you know I don't really mind where people think I am at or what they label me yeah, I've, sure, I've grown sure. past that to some degree I, yeah. it still hurts when people call you certain things um, but I've been called most things so I'm kind of used to it um, but yeah I mean for me it doesn't matter where whether people think I'm this yeah. uh fundamental theist whether people would go oh you're not even a believer anymore you're atheist mm-hmm. or agnostic um, yeah. i just had a weekend away with um, some people that support what i do so i do everything for free so i have some people that give monthly and i had a weekend away with with some of them and what's fascinating is they all interact with me mostly one-on-one and so they're in very different places oh, so i had wow. like 25 people come together and they were like this beautiful rainbow spectrum from completely atheistic you know right through to kind of fairly um conservative still on some level and they all thought i was roughly where they were at yeah sure sure, and it's sure. Only in the midst of coming together and i did warn them that this was going to happen mm-hmm. but they go oh my gosh whoa yeah. and so where i'm at I, I i generally the only place i'm really particularly very open about what i believe um is is usually um in my instagram q a's that i do mostly because people are asking me what do you believe mm-hmm. but even then most of the time i'm, I'm responding to people's individual questions where they're at <laughs> yeah. and trying to move the step forward right. and so um I, I quite intentionally try and remain an enigma um because <laughs> yeah. really generally what i believe and where i'm at is not interesting to me for mm-hmm. um the the purposes of communicating with uh, with a particular audience or a particular person yeah. what's important to me is where are they at and what's helpful in keeping them moving forward. Yeah. That's obviously not the case if I'm just kicking back with my friends and my, you know, my wife, my, my buddies at the pub or whatever. I'm, I'm a raw open book and I always am a raw open book if you ask me. Mm. You know, so I've had people that are in very conservative places ask me questions and I'll, I'll tell them the truth and they walk away terrified. Most of them <laughs> run away. Um, 
So I, I'm not I'm not secretive about it, yeah. but I'm very intentional about it as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, but I mean, I, I probably uh, we may be very alike in, in many ways. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't uh, I don't particularly hold to a um, I don't have a need to hold to a second person of 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 the Trinity of the gods, mm. um, i.e. the the person that is a person, a guy with a beard or yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, a Jesus yeah, with yeah. a robe or a Holy Spirit yeah. that is there and I'm here and I can talk to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's so unimportant to me yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's the three persons of God and um, most people interact usually with one or two of them at most. <laughs> yeah. And so you've got the first person of God, which is the much more complex and hard to engage with person, which is the God within. Mm. Um, you'll find people that start to deconstruct, maybe start opening up to that. But it takes quite a while even for that to fully mm. um, manifest itself. You've got the second person, which is where most traditional Christians are. Oh, God's up there in heaven, I'll pray to him. Or Jesus is a little man living in me or whatever it is. You know, we, we mm. talk to each other. Um, and then you've got the third person mm. of, of God that is that God is ultimately everything and in everything mm. and beyond everything. Um, and so most people tend to kind of pick and choose between one or two of those. Very few can kind of engage with the full spectrum of that. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to me, the whole whole spectrum. Really. Yeah. You're a very smart man. I think what I said was, I, I think what I said was really presumptuous. I'm sorry for being presumptuous about no, where, no, it's, where you No, it's are great because it's, it's very true in, in many ways. I probably am as well. Uh, I think it's very possible. I, I'm, I'm fairly conservative. I think because I try and expose myself to a, a broad spectrum um, and I also try and operate within those broad spectrums, I do tend to um, hold views that are quite broad. Um, so even politically, you know, most people would probably assume I'm fairly left uh, as helpful as left and right can yeah, become. Right. And that is very, very true in, in many, many ways in a lot of my ethics, in my morals, um, uh, in lots of my uh, social outlook and things like that. I'm very left. But I'm also, I'm fairly pragmatic and deeply yeah. um, uh, conscious of economic issues and things like that. And, and so at times I can be very right-leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sure. generally speaking, it's quite a, a mix, uh, yeah, and I'm course, not yeah. very central. So, you know, um, it's it's a, it's a very problematic thing. But like, I, I try and, and try and explore all these things because, generally speaking, what we find is that most stages of life there's good and bad, and that the goal is how do we take the good and leave the bad. Mm. Um, and generally, when we move from one stage to the next, we leave everything. And once we start establishing ourselves in the next stage, we then go back and start picking stuff out of the trash. Mm. And that's how mm. most of us grow. Um, it's, you know, you screw you, you're not my mom anymore. You know, like that kind of, and then come back, oh, some of the stuff you said was really wise, yeah, mom. I right. just wondering if you could repeat that, you know? Yeah. None of us have done that, of course, though. Yeah. Well, you seem to be very, very fluent in nuance. And um, I, I think that's, that's amazing and, and beautiful. And very, it very much comes across in, in all the work that you do. Um, so we, we should probably wrap up. Unfortunately, maybe we can connect again uh, in the future. Uh, thank you so much for your time, especially it being so so late for you right yeah, now. No, no problem. So I'm usually up quite late, so I stay up to about two or three usually. So. Oh, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> well, why don't why don't yeah. you do a, a plug for uh, the Grace Course and anything else? Maybe your your social media handles or anything you want. Sure. Yeah. 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 So. All my um, like resources are completely free, um, so you can go watch a bunch of videos, podcasts, stuff like that over at thegracecourse.com. I've got this other network as well, the Deconstruction Network, so if that's where you're at, if you're in the process of deconstructing and you don't feel that you have a, a community or people to do that with in person, the deconstructionnetwork.com, that's free as well. Um, and then just hit me up on Instagram. I, I'm on Facebook as well. You can 
follow me on that, but I'm not good at communicating on Facebook. I, you message me on Instagram, I'll message straight back. Um, Facebook, you might be a day or two, but um, I'm just at Phil Drysdale on Instagram. And I think, I don't know what I am on Facebook. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll find it, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, Phil Drysdale. I think it might be Phil Drysdale Ministries, which is old school. Yeah, that is um, awesome. I don't think you can change your, your titles. So yeah, there you go. Nice. All right, thanks, Phil. Yeah, this has been great, guys. Yes, Thank sir, you so much. Nice. I really appreciate you guys making space for people to have these kind of conversations. Um, and, you know, just I was scrolling through like the, the guests that you've had and just thinking, man, I need to I need to listen to this podcast. It's, it's, it's got some rich um, guests and rich uh, conversation and topics that you guys have delved into. And it's important um, for what people are going through to to have resources like this. So, yeah, I appreciate it. That means Thank a lot. You. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's, that's very that flattering. Very flattering. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll, I'll be in touch. I'm, I'm sure I'll be reading whatever you post tomorrow on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to say again, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I'm not trying to brown nose or anything like that, but but I really do value everything that you put out and, and, and have a lot of respect for you. So thanks. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Cool. Stay in touch, guys. Yeah. Um, I'll shoot you um, this. Do you want to um, message me your email or something and I'll fire over this audio message as well? I'll do that immediately. Awesome. It might take me a few minutes to get it all sorted. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I, I'll, I won't start editing it for a little while, honestly. So. <laughs> yeah, and then let me know when this comes out as well, and I'll definitely I'll plug it on, a, on different social medias and stuff. So, yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Have a good night. All right. Yeah, have a good day, guys. All right. Bye. See you, Phil. Thanks for getting up early. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at SacredMN. Hi, I'm Caleb. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. The fact is we all have to grow. A lot of us grow up in different homes, in different backgrounds, believing different things, told things are different things that are truth. I mean, even like if you just look at Santa Claus or things like that, you know what I mean? I don't want to get too much. My kids are here. But (laughs) we're told that certain things are true, and then we grow, and then we realize they're not. So it's part of our journey and our growth system. And it's just so easy to look at our journey and want to make bad guys out of our journey, but often it's the story we find ourselves in. And it's just part of our growth. That was a post-Christian podcast.